the journey of healing uh, for like the whole humanity would be so much faster if people just didn't um, was were not afraid to look into themselves and accept what's happening and be authentic and share what was happening. But I think that's the main like barrier of all of us just to like get on the next level in very short time. Hey guys, welcome to our Soul Fam podcast where I interview space holders from all over the world. I am your host, my name is Carolina, and I am the Connection Catalyst. I hope spiritual entrepreneurs experience deeper connection with themselves, with others, and with the universe. Today on the show, we have Jana Goncharienko, a woman on the path of empowerment. Welcome to the show, Jana. How are you doing? Thank you uh, for having me. I'm doing great. That's amazing. A little bit sleepy. It's early here, but everything is fine. <laughs> yeah, but you have beautiful nature behind you, as I can see. So even though you're sleepy, you're you're embraced and surrounded by nature. So that should help. Mother Earth is holding you, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I got a little bit of a blog before uh, saying your surname. I, I thought that I already know how to do it, but now I actually manage. I think uh, Goncharienko. That's a really interesting surname. Uh, but as we spoke before, it's yeah, that's perfect. U- yeah, Ukrainian surname. So we have uh, some exotic, uh, you know, uh, themes here because you're from Ukraine slash Russia. I'm from Poland. So Slavic blood is uh, <laughs> on the podcast today, which is great. I, I, I love it. And uh, yeah, I would love to start with um, your story and how, because I know that you're doing shadow work and inner child healing and I do the same. So I'm really excited to dive into these topics with you. Um, I'm, I'm doing shadow work for work too. And so how was your story? What has inspired uh-huh. you to, to do this work? And what was, you know, this tipping point where you decided, okay, this is what I'm going to do. This is my passion, my mission here. And yeah, what's the story behind it? Um, I think the story started when I realized that I didn't want to, um, to live the life I had. So I was not really happy with where I was. Um, and, uh, I saw myself as super clearly, um, a complete copy of my own mother uh, who really didn't have a, a good marriage with my dad. And at that time, I also was married myself. Uh, so um, I was like a, in a very low state, probably depression that, that you would call it uh, for a couple of years. I didn't know what to do. I just I just was home all day watching uh, TV shows and exercising like crazy and having this crazy diet, not very happy with my looks and not very social so i was like deep in uh, in the darkness um and then um i just decided to leave the united states i used to live in washington dc and uh, i i went to retreat here in guatemala for a couple of weeks i decided to go and had one-way ticket but um i stayed for six months eventually it was my first time out of the state since i moved there and um yeah, I didn't want to come back. So uh, that was the start of my process. But I think the path to be who I am right now, uh, into shadow work, into cacao, uh, had didn't uh, didn't come right away because once you realize that your personality that you had before is not what you want to be, and you don't really know yourself because all you were doing is. Um, 
having the same personality as your parent, for example, you don't really know who you are. So the second part was like discovering what actually I like, what do I want to do, what I'm, what are my passions, what are my boundaries, like all of this stuff. Uh, and it's, uh, it's still going on. Um, I do things um, uh, that uh, which I do right now are because they help me to heal. Uh, but yes, I do shadow work with other people, but maybe it's not even uh, my, you know, like the, the climax of my, of my passion, of my path. But now I'm just like walking, like Till Swan says, on the bread, breadcrumbs, you know, and, and every time I find some, something positive or something that people um grateful for what I do, I, I keep I stick to that and I keep doing it, but I don't think I am in my full uh, expression yet. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So you're still on the path of discovery and that's great because when you do shadow work, you can actually discover so many mm -hmm. different parts of you that actually maybe want to do completely different things. And then when you integrate them, then you're like, okay, now I, I know more about myself because uh, yeah, on the path of authenticity and like discovering your soul's purpose, you need to also integrate all these different parts of you so that all their needs are met, uh, right? So yeah, I, com I can completely relate to that. And, uh, yes. You know, I've been doing the completion process. I've been a completion process practitioner uh, for the last three years. Uh, I studied with, uh, I mean, tr I was training with Phil Swan in Costa Rica, actually. Um, and it was actually great. Like the, the oh, training was awesome. great. Yeah, I loved it. Like Thielson has such a beautiful, powerful energy. She is like my number one uh, spiritual leader that I follow. Um, you know, my my mentor in a way. <laughs> and yeah, and I also feel like, okay, this is great, but I feel like I can still step uh, more into myself and maybe do some other things in my life, not only be, you know, a space holder, but also do other things. So I completely feel you uh, in that. But yeah, it's great that it's great to do shadow work. And I feel like, if you do it with someone, you can even learn from someone else's like psyche in a way, because if you guide someone through the process, you have such a broad understanding of how the psychology works, how trauma was created, how different things that happen in our life can actually shape our mindset and shape our behavior in a specific way. So I feel like for me, at least as a CPCP, <laughs> completion process certified practitioner, it's like I learn through experiencing the traumatic events and doing inner child work with other people because then I feel like it actually is preparing me a little bit to be a parent because, <laughs> you know, I'm going to be uh, so knowledgeable about, For sure. you know, about the, all these things that, that kids feel when they are in the trauma, when they are in stress, right? And how they perceive the world because now through these this, through this work you can guide someone there and they are like oh this is how the kid saw it or felt it right so it's really uh, really valuable I feel like for us yeah. as a practitioner to really be able to hold someone in this kind of space uh, and to go there with them and so what kind of shadow work do you do what are your favorite methods I think I am also a big fan of Till Swan I I um, found out about her maybe a couple of years ago and I didn't take it seriously until maybe like um, July last year um, where I started to use um, cannabis to, to do my process with, with my mentor with like a woman who also does completion process and then I was like wow so so deep and so uh, profound and it really shifted me 
uh, but I've been following Teal and I was watching her video, but didn't really do like, you know, practical work because uh, that's, that's the most important thing. Uh, we think that we integrate through just listening and, yes. <laughs> and like remembering that's what we taught, what taught in school. Um, yeah, so I practice the same thing. I do completion process. I read the book. Uh, I'm actually reading now the Anatomy of Loneliness by Hyo. It's very cool. It feels like I know all of that already, all of this video that I watched, um, that there is nothing new, but it's it's always something that you discover when you when you read. So I'm uh, I loving this book right now. Uh, I do completion process. I do inner child work as well. Yeah, and it's kind of everyday process, you know, like, um, once you discover that there is something off and you cannot even push it away anymore the way you did it before. So it's it's an everyday thing. Maybe couple even a couple times a day I just have to sit with myself and and go and like, you know, comfort my inner child. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Yeah, I, I think I did the same thing. I haven't done uh, yeah, I haven't done the completion process training. I wanted to do it. Um maybe soon. I'm so I'm so impressed that you did it. And um, I met Teal actually in person in Miami because I went to a synchronization workshop there. And um, yeah, it was awesome. But I would love to do a training or maybe go to her retreat one day. Oh, yes. So we'll see. Oh, yes. I would love to go to the curveball retreat. Like, <laughs> I'm just such a big fan of Teal. Like I have all kinds of uh, frequency products, uh, you know, in my room and whatever. I'm just like, yeah, a big, big fan. And so to anyone who listens and doesn't know Teal's one, check her out. Uh, check her videos on YouTube. They are very informative. But also I feel like I fell in love with Teal the first time when I saw her in person in Melbourne on the synchronization workshop. Uh, and actually, I feel like the videos on YouTube are quite just... Um, how do you say? Just straight to the point, just information, you know? But when you meet her in person, it's like she's so funny and so just lovely. So to anyone who feels like, oh, maybe I don't fully resonate with her, go yes. and check her out live because it's completely different experience because the videos are meant to inform you about things. But if you actually go for the workshop, um, especially synchronization workshop or other, other ones as well, it's just a completely different experience. I highly, highly recommend it. Um, and so maybe actually I would love to to um, touch upon the definition of shadow work. What do you feel like shadow work is for people who maybe listen and maybe they don't know what it means? Um, okay, let's see. So so shadow work is probably, uh, the, for me, is uh, just reconnecting with, uh, with your subconscious mind, um, integrating and... Um, Connecting to the parts of yourself that you, for some reason, have uh, not been um, aware of. Um, well, the reason is because we all have to fit in a family first and a society second, you know, all of that. So if the consciousness is everything that there is, so every single person with their own character is something that creates the consciousness. So we are parts of the big consciousness. So we're like a hologram part of the collective consciousness. Then our consciousness is supposed to own all of these different personality that we already have in the, in the world, but we have some kind of resistance to other people, or we sometimes feel that, oh, I cannot do this, this person is talented, I am not talented, but it's actually not true, because our consciousness is a part of collective, meaning that we also possess all of the same qualities other people uh, possess. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, yeah, it's like integrating and... Uh, 
come into a state of wholeness, I think, um, to understand that um, we're all one and all of that stuff. <laughs> yes, I totally agree with you. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. And also for me, it's just like discovering, as Tilson says, what you don't know that you don't know, right? Because like subconscious is something hidden. It's not conscious, right? It's something that we don't have any idea about until it comes up. So when we are triggered, when we have some kind of automatic emotional reaction to something, this is our shadow. This is our unconscious. This is our program that we operate 95 to 99% of our life on, right? Because our subconscious mind governs our life literally. And it's like 1 million times more powerful than our conscious mind, right? Because subconscious mind processes uh, 40 million bits of data per second, whereas our conscious mind only 40 bits of data per second. So if we can tap into the subconscious and make changes there through shadow work, for example, uh, we can really create the long lasting change in us and in our in everything really behaviors actions emotions filters beliefs um, and so do you also use the parts work uh, as shadow work as well yeah i do use parts parts work but i think it's my least favorite thing to do because um i always uh, yeah i have some kind of resistance to it uh, because it, it feels like it's a more complicated process for me Oh really? Yeah. I feel like it's it's not complicated yeah. if you do it with a with someone else who already knows like how to navigate it because I think it's actually quite simple and when we were on a workshop mirror event uh, with Steel it was like a 3 days event and she was teaching us how to do parts work Actually, even people who came there like, you know, uh, oh, I just came because my wife loved Teal Swan. I don't even know what it is. People who have nothing to do with spirituality at all, they are just, you know, working in a normal job and just doing the normal thing. But the, their wife is all into spirituality, so they just came. Even these kind of people were able to feel into the, the parts of them and really embody these parts. And so I feel like it is simple if you don't have any mind constructs um, on your way, you know what I mean? And these mind constructs can yeah. be broken down because like, I feel like, you know, parts work in the way that Tilson teaches it and in the way that I like to do it too with my clients. Because, uh, you know, there are different parts work. Like in NLP, I've done parts work as well and it's a little bit different process than uh, Tilson does it. But how Tilson does it and how I like to do it too is that you are sitting on one chair and you're saying something like, I now take on the part of me that is, for example, angry. And then you sit on this chair uh -huh. and you embody, fully embody and channel this part of your subconscious mind that feels angry. And then you become this part. You literally like just shut down all the other parts of you and you just become this one part and you speak as this part. And I feel like if you do it with the, with the facilitator, it's actually way easier because someone can ask you questions. Someone can guide you and really resolve this conflict yeah, yeah, exactly. between the parts. I feel like it might be a little complicated or maybe not complicated, but it requires practice to do it yourself because it requires that you know the questions that you answer um, so that you can navigate this conflict, right? So I feel like, and then just to explain this a little bit more for people who listen, then you stand up, you shake it off because when you stand up, you are in your conscious mind. When you sit down, you are in your subconscious mind. So then you sit on an, uh, the second chair and you say, I now take on the part of me that is the opposite or that has resistance to the angry part. And then you sit on the other chair and then you embody this other part. And I feel like if you know 
what kind of questions to ask, and I would like to share some of them that I usually uh, ask on my sessions, then it becomes quite easy because the thing with past work is usually the inner conflict and inner resistance comes up when some parts don't have full awareness or full picture of what's going on. So for example, one part might not see the value of the other part in your whole being, right? So for, let's say for a super happy part who just wants to feel good and nothing else, the part who is sad might be like, what's the value of this part? What's the role? Like, it doesn't make sense. It's just dragging me down. It just makes me feel whatever, like shit, right? And so if you can navigate that these parts actually discover, first of all, that they want the same for you as a whole or for the client as a whole and second of all that they see each other's values then the conflict can be much easier resolved and so for example i feel like the questions that you can ask is like what is your role for this person as a whole what are your needs what are your desires how do you feel of course and then also how old are you what's your name just to discover more about the part but i feel like the crucial thing is like the role and the need and the feeling these three things, because if the other part that you resolve the conflict with sees the role and the value and the need, and the, all these emotions are expressed rather than suppressed in, uh, in our subconscious, then it's so easy to see for the other part. It's like, oh my God, I didn't know that this part felt like this. And now that this part is expressing it and is vulnerable, I actually don't resist it anymore that much, or I can actually understand it more because now I understand their needs, their desires, their roles, their values, right? And so it's easier resolved, I think. So I hope that, uh, you know, my monologue here made it a little bit like uh, easier for you to now be more excited about this because I am so excited about parts work every time I do it because you can really discover so much about yourself. So I hope that I uh, am, you know, my intention is to help you no, remove resistance no. to it <laughs> fully. You're, you're perfect. You're perfectly explained it. I know all of that, but um, like you said, sometimes, um, yeah, I wish, because I don't know if you know about human design or not, I'm a reflector uh, in my uh, profile and it's very important for me to have somebody to reflect you're a reflector too? No, but literally yesterday I had a podcast <laughs> of human design and I was so just amazed by the reflectors. And even the uh, the lady that I was speaking to, she was saying, I only know one reflector because they only uh, are 1% of the whole uh, population. And so I'm so excited to meet you as a reflector. Oh my God. I don't know if I know any reflectors uh, and, anymore, you know, because I haven't actually checked the human design. I'm, I'm a newbie in human design, but I know that the reflector is someone uh -huh. what's your profile i'm a manifesting manifester generator okay of course you are like yes i'm strong woman. very strong very strong energy yes but yeah i'm really curious uh about about the reflector because you know i haven't really met uh, many of them or maybe i have and i don't know because i don't know everyone's profile uh, so what could you share with us especially to people who follow all my podcasts and you know it's exciting to talk about the reflectors on one podcast and then continue the conversation on another so what can you tell as a reflector what do you see in yourself as this reflector type like how do you navigate interactions with others? Because from what I understand is the reflector is someone who has this kind of aura or energy that like takes, has all the centers like receptive to the environment, right? All your chakras are taking the energy from mm -hmm. the environment. So how, first of all, how do you navigate that? 
And what is different that you see in you as a reflector in comparison to other people and other types? I don't really know much about human design myself either, but like I, f I feel a lot that people put a lot of a lot of labels on me, who I am, you know. And uh, for me to to see something about myself, it's good to see somebody else in front of me as well. Like to talk to somebody. Like for example, for parts work, it's easy for me to do it with the other person than just to do it uh, on my own. Or it's easy for me to do parts work for other person than just to do it just for myself and like sit in different chairs because so much stuff going on, you know, in my in my mind. Mm -hmm. I understand that. And, you know, yeah. this uh, lady was saying that, you know, we are like the reflectors are meant to amplify other people, right? So for you, it's like they're meant to take, uh -huh. take someone's energy and then amplify it and give it back. So it's super important for the reflector to actually select the people that they are meeting because they are so easily affected by them. Do you feel like that's true? For sure, yes. I feel like I always, uh, um, I always say something or do something. I always like uh, find something um, uh, to like point out in other people. And sometimes, if they not, if they don't like to go in there. They would be like very um, defensive, or they would not be very welcoming, or they would be like, uh, you know, something that like. Um, if they're in, into self-development, they would be happy about it. If they're not, they would not be happy about it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, I have a feeling that uh, Bethany, the human design expert that I was speaking to, she would love uh, that we are talking about human design right now because it's just so interconnected. Um, but yeah, it's, mm -hmm. it's interesting for me because I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm fresh in this topic, but it seems like it's really on point, uh, this human design. So I can relate to that as well because sometimes it's easier to have someone like guide you and also in shadow work, in the inner child and trauma healing, it's way easier to go deep into the feeling if there is someone holding space for you rather than just being there with yourself because sometimes we might feel that it's so scary to feel this feeling, right? That it might not be as easy for us to drop in fully into the very bottom of our feeling and that's the point in this kind of work, to go as deeply as you possibly can into the feeling, right? So sometimes we might feel like it's not... That easy for us because um, if someone is not holding space for us, it's like you go a little bit into the feeling and then oh, okay, I already felt it. That's already done. You know, I already it's you know I'm I'm sorted. Uh, I don't have to go deeper, but you actually do. So I also found that sometimes I have this, this kind of traumas that I prefer my friends or um, I did it with my ex partner. He was guiding me through processes, or I find a friend who also is a coach. And sometimes I prefer also to do it with someone else. So I can to totally relate to you, even though I'm a manifesting generator, uh, I still like like someone else to hold space for me because it's just easier when you have this presence of someone uh, to go deep right um so yeah i can yeah. i can totally relate to what you're saying so how uh how does cacao integrate with all the work uh. that you do do you feel like do you sometimes use you know cacao medicine to actually amplify shadow work uh, yeah, for sure, because like uh, I, I'm a big fan of Guatemalan cacao specifically. Um, I've tried Peruvian one. I, um, I've tried 
Costa Rica. Uh, I love all of them, uh, but I think here in Guatemala, it's like the best cacao for me, at least. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's definitely um, help. It definitely helps people to go deeper because you know cacao is very. It's a stimulating. Um, like beverage or stimulating medicine but at the same time it's always relaxing and um like it it's embodiment uh medicine i feel like so with the cacao you can uh you can go deeper into your feelings because you're more in your body uh, or you can um have a deeper meditation because you're in your body or you can um, you can go and like, uh, for example, t- take a yoga class or uh, go dancing and it will be much more, um, much easier for you to just move and not be in your mind and all of these minerals and, uh, different components of cacao that relax your muscles, like theobramine that opens up your heart and stimulates your blood flow, all of that stuff. It's, um, uh, it's perfect for, inner work for sure mm-hmm. and how did you start your journey with cacao as medicine um i went to i think i went to like a, a meditation course here in guatemala uh for uh, for a month and we had a cacao ceremony around the fire with a mayan man who introduced us to mayan cosmology uh, and I tried cacao for the first time, um, and it was great because I love chocolate all my life. So what not to like on the cacao is uh, is been given to you. So that was the first time I tried cacao, and since then, yes, it's it's been like almost every day I would drink it, or um, yeah, I would just eat the beans if I have those. Um, yeah, I'm just totally addicted. I think because it's uh, it's became a part of my life uh, since since 2019. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. And did you have a chance to meet some shamans yeah. uh, that work with cacao as well? Yes, here uh, here at the lake we have um, a cacao shaman. He calls himself that way. Uh, his name is Keith Wilson. Uh, and he has his own brand of cacao called Keith's Cacao. Um, and it's one of my favorite because it's uh, very high on theobramine and super, super low on caffeine. Cacao does have caffeine, but like maybe 40% less than coffee does. Um, so that was my first encounter with cacao shaman, <laughs> Keith. But such a such thing as cacao ceremony is not uh, something that Mayan culture uh, has cacao you would used to be used in ceremonies like to to how to say to be given to the fire you know or uh, to share around the around the fire but as a ceremonial drink it's not used in Mayan culture it's uh, only western people decided to make it into a ceremony oh I didn't know so that. there is not like a particular shamans cacao shamans yeah uh, but uh Keith, in particular, he um, he refers himself to shamans because he's been working with cacao maybe for I don't know forty years or something like that. He's um, he's already I don't know 
quite old man and um, he selects his beans in a particular way uh, vibrationally somehow and nobody knows the process so he calls himself a cacao shaman that's the only one i met <laughs> that's interesting but yeah it, it has to be a craft right when you do it for such a long time you're really selective and you probably tried so many different types of cacao si. uh, that then i'm not surprised that he is so just like you know, selective uh, of the cacao that he drinks. That's awesome. And so do you feel like um, people actually misuse the cacao medicine in in a way? Like, because they treat it more like, oh, let's have a cacao, oh, let's have a coffee, oh, just like without bringing this spirituality and a ceremonial vibe to it? Mm, I don't think so, because like, you know, you still get a lot of uh, benefits of uh, properties of cacao itself as a plant when you drink it. So and um, like I, I'm at the point of my life where I'm a little bit tired from ceremonies in general. So I do have cacao and I just can like, uh, you know, put it in tension for my day, for example, uh, when I have my cacao cup. It doesn't need to be something specific. Maybe it's just something that you... Uh, drink to honor uh, your physical body and because you love yourself you have cacao you know uh, because it's good for your body um, so I don't think it's misuse and you know people love chocolate so if it makes them happy drinking cacao so I think it's also a good thing to do not uh, without ceremony mm -hmm. Yes, I agree that it's always a good thing to do uh, to eat like a legit, legit healthy chocolate or drink a legit cacao because I am a chocolate lover as well. Like if if you take away all the food that I eat but leave me chocolate, I'm happy. Like chocolate, if I had to choose one food that I eat till the end of my days and no other food is existent, it's gonna be chocolate. So for me, I can totally relate to that, and I agree <laughs> that you know it's it's beautiful to eat it and it's beautiful if it makes us happy. But I also have this perspective of for example you know uh, cannabis as the medicine like if you actually make a ceremony out of it and you set intention at least because it doesn't have to be full-on few hours ceremony it could be just an intention and connection to the plant before you do it um, then the effect of this yeah. of this let's say celebration <laughs> can be way bigger than something if you just like have it recreationally right so that's why i'm asking because to me i found that many people who have um tried for example yeah, weed as medicine or even mushrooms or other things uh, at least with me if we did it in like a spiritual way connecting to the medicine and really dropping into our body and connecting to our soul then the effect and even the journey of what this plant has given us was completely different so i feel like intentionality is like the direction of energy so to me i feel it's really important to always have an intention before you drink something or eat something or whatever it is even if you have dinner you know it's nice to have an intention that this dinner is going to nurture your body and be so healthy and whatever so that's why i'm asking because to me i feel like it's important personally uh, it's just my perspective to be intentional with everything you do so also with drinking cacao with the respect to the medicine to just really you know connect to the plant and and have an intention before you drink it and actually ground yourself and and connect to your soul yeah. <laughs> I agree with you. Mm -hmm. Amazing. So we're on the same yeah, page. For sure. <laughs> That's awesome. And so you're also a meditation guide and a yogi and you do breath work. So I'm curious to know what's your favorite type of meditation? Because there are many of them. So what, 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 
What meditation has shifted your life the most? Um, I think I really, really love uh, just the meditation that connects me with my body. Like I, I went to Vipassana meditation. Um, and then uh, I think the, the shift for me has happened after I went to a silent retreat for 30 days. It wasn't like Vipassana meditation, but it did start to open up stuff for me that uh, has not been, uh, I was not aware about. So I think I really love to, to scan the body and find something uncomfortable and sit with it. Like, you know, because if you do completion process or you do shadow work, um, it's, it's the same thing. You have to find um, that in your body. So I cannot, I cannot just go concentrate on something else because I think that's where the, the answers are in our body because they are connected to our feelings, feelings connected to our thoughts, thoughts are connected to our beliefs and all of that. So for me, the best meditation is to be in the body. Uh, and sometimes like I also teach yoga, but used to be this like very fast paced yoga, mostly oriented on, um, you know, on of completing all the cycles of, uh, of yoga poses and stuff. But now it's more about, yeah, uh, like how do I feel with every single little part of my bone, like on my, of my, of my spine, or how do I feel? when I concentrate on this part of my body and uh, how do my, uh, you know, how do I feel when I uh, fall down in a, in a forward fold and stand there for three minutes? Like how, what does my lower back feel like? Like all of these very slow, slow practices, because I think an embodiment is the most important thing for all of us humans. We're so much in the head um, that embodiment brings us back to our center and our core. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I couldn't agree more with that. And even now, like fast forward, maybe one and a half years since I started my journey with yoga uh, more and more, because before I was just like, oh, yoga, uh, it's kind of uncomfortable. I don't really want to do that. But now I have such an awareness of my body when I started doing it two or three times a week uh, consistently that now I know, okay, this is how I need to sit. This is, this is how I need to move for these parts of my body to be unlocked. And so I totally agree that embodiment is one of the most important things um, in life, really. But for all these people who maybe haven't had that much of an experience with embodiment, what would be the tip that you give them to start the journey? Um, I feel uh, the best thing is to, to, uh, with every opportunity that they have to check in how they feel inside, for example, like set a timer on their phone, you know, and that can ring maybe every, every 15 minutes or often if they want. And just like, uh, if they sit at the computer, just like close the eyes and check in what, what is this going on in my body? What kind of feeling I'm feeling right now? Um, my second favorite is like going outside and, uh, stepping, uh, with, with the bare feet on the, on the grass, you know, uh, and just like connecting, uh, to the earth through the feet or also visualizing the, the lights coming through the feet into the body from the earth through the whole body up into the crown, you know, like just, um, just connecting to the earth. Um, and also like, yeah, eating more, um, green foods, eating more vegetables, um, 
being more on the sun, uh, taking baths. I love taking baths. That's also a very good embodiment practice, you know, relaxing into your body. Um, yeah, anything that is connected to nature, I think that's an amazing embodiment practice. Mm-hmm. Playing, playing with the dog or a cat, you know, just like observing how, they, how connected they are in, uh, in their lives. Yes, just seeing animals in their natural habitat, that's like super grounding and super uh, embodying, I guess. Yeah, that's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I feel like, yeah, if I imagine myself, you know, even stepping on earth, that just grounds me, that just opens my uh, first chakra, my root chakra. And so anything that is connected to root chakra is linked to our physical embodiment. So I feel like even using oils or crystals or anything that opens your root chakra or foods that are like root foods, for example, right? All these uh, foods would help us us yeah. ground and be in our body even more. Uh, that's amazing. Thank you so much. And so uh, I would love to actually, uh, if we already started a little bit the topic of Teal Zone, I'm curious to know, do you have any favorite topic or favorite video of Teal that you would like to talk about? Mm. Uh, I don't know. I love I love all of them. Let, let me let me, me see. Me too. I know it's hard to choose. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to choose. Um I recently started watching a lot of like synchronization workshops. And one of them was, I think, in Stockholm. I think that was my favorite uh, of uh, all of the workshops that she held. And uh, she talked there about attachment styles. Mm -hmm. And I think that was like, um, yeah, that really resonates with me. And, you know, and how I behave in my relationships sometimes. And I I see this and the explanation why I feel this way, why I behave this way. It's, um, it was like... interesting and uh and a very strong message at the same time and now you're like oh another thing i have to deal with you know (laughs) so i think i really love when she talks about relationships like um you know the the last video she had about narcissist and codependency also also love yeah relationships uh stuff that she talks about are my are my favorite i'm not such so into like what she talks about um chakras uh, but I've seen them all anyway (laughs) or uh, when she talks about like something more uh, outside of this world Mm -hmm. things but I really love when she talks about things that I can relate to and I can really observe you know like relationships of course uh, are my favorite topic Mm -hmm. and and so with this topic of attachment styles I only touched upon it uh, a bit but I know that there is Uh, anxious and avoidant and mixed like anxious and avoidant and then you have a secure right so you have four attachment styles so which one do you have i think i have this uh, disorganized the one that um yeah the mixed you call it mixed yeah Yeah. i I know Uh that it's disorganized but i'm not an expert on it so i'm just saying mixed (laughs) so what can you tell us about disorganized attachment style okay so she she was explaining this style when she was in stockholm and there is a stock stockholm syndrome when you uh when you miss your abuser for example right mm-hmm. 
So it's uh, it's created in a families where a parent is um, abusive in some way, like maybe emotionally or physically. Um, but emotional abuse is actually worse than physical abuse. Um, just just a note. Um, and you, because you dependent on that person, on your of your family member, but also you have an energy of wanted to get get away you have this opposite things in your body you know you want to be close but at the same time you want to run away so um that's how i feel when i when i get close to to someone in my relationships like to a partner um, um and i think people also with um this style they also experience enmeshment trauma at the same time which is um, you don't have your own personality like i said at the beginning of the video i discovered that i was completely like my mom you know um so i always afraid to lose myself in relationships with other people like if i get too close i'm gonna be i'm gonna not know who i am anymore i'm just gonna do what they like to do i'm gonna listen to the music they like to listen eat what they like to eat all of that stuff so this fear of dissolving again in somebody else is uh, pushing me away but i also want closeness with other people mm -hmm. and how to deal with so it so it's kind of um <laughs> How to deal with it? I think to start to really um, feel into what you actually want. Like, um, you, you know, people who have enmeshment style and codependent style, all of the um, toxic relationships, um, attachment styles, they don't have boundaries. And maybe that's my favorite video about boundaries. <laughs> so maybe um, that what I do is feeling into what you really want. Uh, whether you aligned with the situation or if there is something else that you want and afraid to say and um, honoring your boundaries, honoring your desires and uh, not being afraid to speak about them and not being afraid to say to your partner that you need to need space, for example, today or you're tired and uh, or you even want to um, sleep in a separate bedrooms, you know. Um, all of these things, like getting it, it you to your desire so much and not being afraid to speak about them, that um, that probably creates more safe space for you to be next to other person and not being afraid to enmesh again, like mixed up again, and also be around and not uh, not run away. Mm -hmm. Yes, and I, I agree with that. And I feel like it also helps when the other person that you're with has the awareness of your enmeshment trauma because then they can be also uh, aware together with you of like, hey, do you need space? Do you actually want it? They can ask you questions. And so uh, choosing the right relationships, I feel, is also a good way to go because then if you can authentically express like, hey, I actually had this kind of trauma. I was codependent, but I also want to run away. Uh, then this other person can also hold you in this and help you move through it. And so I want to just come back for a moment to explain these other attachment styles because I feel like I would be more of a, a anxious attachment style, although I don't feel that anxious anymore. But in the past, if I look uh, at my relationships, I would be quite codependent. Um, and 
like recently I've been working so much on it that I feel like now I'm quite an autonomous woman. <laughs> but uh, yeah, in the past I would feel like I need connections so much that it would make me feel unsafe if there is no connection also because of the abandonment wound from childhood. Um, and the avoidant is the one that escapes, right? Is the one that like runs away from, from the problem, uh, I, I would say. And this is the most triggering situation when you have two people and one have the, has the anxious attachment style, the other one has the avoidant attachment style, and then it just triggers the shit out of each other because their needs are the opposite. And I've had it happen uh, with people that, are, that I've been meeting or dating or whatever before, and it's just like, oh my God, it's like the worst thing ever. But you can also really learn from it and really uh, get conscious of your traumas when you are in a re relationship uh, or some, yeah, some kind of relation to the someone who has the opposite uh, trauma, right? Because then it's like trigger on the trigger, but then you can actually go deep and, and heal it. And the secure attachment is when someone doesn't actually need anything, right? Like, I mean, they are not avoidant, they are not anxious, they are just like cool with anything. That's what I understand, right? Yeah, I don't think those people exist. <laughs> Maybe, maybe when we integrate our uh, unhealthy attachment styles, then maybe we can come back to a secure one. But yeah, uh, but also it's amazing how usually the opposite attachment styles meet together. You know, the people who have uh, anxious and who have, uh, who have avoidant, they always meet together to trigger each other, like you said, yes, um, to show each other the traumas. Yes. Then we yeah. can heal as fast as possible, you know, because it's just such an opposite force. And I feel like for the anxious attachment style people, it's, you know, learning how to give someone else space without feeling like you're not loved when you're disconnected. And for the avoidant ones, it's like how to actually stay connected and communicate. And if you need your your time, how to still make this other person feel loved and valued, even though you need your space and disconnect. So it's beautiful work uh, that we are doing. We are all healing. We're all, all on our healing journey. So I think it's actually really cool that we can trigger each other. <laughs> For sure. I feel uh, that, uh, you know, the, the journey of healing uh, for like the whole humanity would be so much faster if people just didn't... Um, were not afraid to look into themselves and accept what's happening and be authentic and share what was happening. But I think that's the main like barrier of all of us just to like get on the next level in very short time. But I feel like a lot of people are getting there and a lot of people, a lot more people are self-aware now. So hopefully we're going to... We're going to be in a new planet and a new vibration soon. Yes, let's manifest it all. <laughs> awesome. Yes. Thank you so, so much for this conversation. And I have one last quick question. Where could people find you if they really resonate with you and they would like to know more about you? Um, I think it may, mainly is Instagram. Um, at prana underscore yana um, they can find me they can message me um, if they want to ask something if they want to receive a free session like completion process or inner child session uh, if they like me we can work more um, I also starting my new brand of cacao soon I'm bringing a lot of it to the states 
So if anybody wants uh, some cacao cito, I also shipping it um, in all parts of the world. Just uh, let me know. Um, yeah, just Instagram, I think, uh, is the best way to reach me. Perfect. That's exciting with the cacao, bringing the medicine <laughs> to the States. That's awesome. Thank you so, so much for sharing your energy with us. Yeah. And uh, yeah, wish you good luck with spreading your cacao business even more because people need this medicine. So thank you so much for all the work that you're doing. For sure. Thank you, Carolina, for having me. I was... Um... It was amazing meeting you and I also enjoyed our conversation a lot. I hope we will keep in touch. <laughs> yes. Thank you so, so much, beautiful souls, for listening to us. And it's been such a great conversation. I hope that you liked it too. And I just want to remind you that we are in the process of creating the directory of all these healers and coaches that I've been speaking to on the podcast. So stay tuned to know when that's live. And I wish you a beautiful, beautiful day.